0: So welcome back in to the Texas 1A Fan Backroads Podcast Week 7. News, notes, stats, scores, you name it, we got it. it was a wild and woolly week 7. I'm Craig Spree with the Happy Sports Network and PressFastSports.com. Hi, I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. So Bobby, it was a wild and crazy week of 7. Uh, just some really, really good games. I know I was at uh, Ann and Will, Whit Harrell, and I can't wait till we get to that one, and uh, tell you about a cowboy hat that went flying on the field. That is a great story for everybody to listen to, man. I can't wait to hear about that. But before we get started, we always get the program started out with a coach. And uh, today we're bringing in out of region three, people kind of forget about region three and we don't want to do that. We're going to bring in the head coach for the Campbell Indians. That is coach Wesley Pritchard coach. Welcome in on a Sunday morning.
1: Hey guys, how's it going?
0: Good. So, I know looking at your Facebook page, there's one thing that you're just in hog heaven today, and, and let's let everybody know exactly why you were excited today.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saw him off. I know it's not the, uh, the normal rivalry of UT, but it sure is nice to wake up after a Saturday of playing Bama and knowing that you won. So it, it definitely made uh, looking forward to uh, a lot of my normal Sunday antics of Especially the last uh, last couple of days or last couple of weeks with AM losing to two teams that we didn't expect to lose to, but it's always nice waking up on Sunday, knowing that you beat uh, saving in the the tide.
0: <laughs> so that that they did, and uh, what what a heck of a ball game! And I, I'm sure pretty much the entire world was excited about that victory. Oh, Alabama yeah. getting beat. So uh, I think there's a lot of people in A and M's corner here on on a Sunday. So. Want to want to talk to you about six-man football. And and first thing I want to know is just tell us a little bit about yourself, Coach.
1: Uh, well, uh, I'm originally from Glen Rose, Texas. That's where I graduated high school. Uh, went to uh, play baseball at Shriner down in Kerrville. Uh, left there, uh, ventured down to a college station for a couple of years. Uh, then ended up transferring into Tarleton State is where, where I graduated and got my bachelor's or my first job was in Bluffdale, actually. Uh, That was my first job as a coach, and they were just starting their high school program there. I was there for about a year left and went to Junction and did a little bit of 11-man, and then uh, had an opportunity to come up to Campbell uh, last year or before the season started last year. kind of wanted to get back into 6-man and see what I can really dive into on 6-man. I kind of dipped my toes in it uh, at Bluffdale and really enjoyed it. After a couple of years of 11 man, I decided I think go try this six man thing again and see what goes on. So now I'm back at Campbell. I got there last year, uh, took over the AD job and head football job this year. So I'm looking forward to building a program from the ground up and kind of making sure we uh, get back to the winning side of things.
0: Well, we're happy to have you here in six man land. Your Campbell Indians, two and four on the season. Let's talk about those Indians. Talk about some of your uh, your players that you've got there that uh, really got you excited about this season.
1: Well, we have a, a, a slew of uh, young, talented athletes. We have two seniors on our uh, – we have three seniors, but two of them really have been kind of stepping up and uh, filling some gaps from last year and kind of trying to create that leadership that we just haven't had. We didn't have much leadership last year, just kind of – Get going back and forth from 11-man to an outlaw schedule to finally having a season where playoffs were an opportunity, it was kind of hard to get that motivation for him. But we have two seniors, uh, Caden Mitchell, my running back. Uh, he's had a pretty decent season this year so far. He's not happy with the results. Uh, he feels like he can do better, so that's always good that he knows that he can do better, and I think he can too. Our center is also a, a senior, and both of them – They've really kind of stepped up and with being a leader uh, uh, on and off the field, kind of helping everybody stay in place. And then, but we got some, uh, my quarterback sophomore, or I guess, you know, he's quarterback under center and then uh, spread back uh, Garrett Roberts. He, he kind of is really, really kind of stepping into that role of uh, trying to be the man and kind of help take charge of that offense. And he's, really good at keeping everybody in line on offense when things go bad. He used to be pretty uh, pretty upset when things didn't go his way, and he's just a competitor, and so uh, I'm pretty, pretty impressed with him and how he's handled things this year. We got another fullback that we have, uh, Trey Huffines. He kind of goes from fullback to uh, wide receiver, and offensively, we've been doing pretty well. We just got to find ways to finish drives, and that just kind of comes with the, uh, the young talent that we have and the inexperience. So but I think once we uh, start district, we'll, we'll get things rolling and getting into uh, finishing drives and scoring more points than what we have the last three weeks.
2: I see, Coach, you're in District 10 out there in Region 3, along with Fruitvale, Leverage Chapel, Savoy, and Union Hill. You're going to play Fruitvale this next week. Uh, at seven o'clock on friday tell us a little bit about how you're going to prepare for that game
1: well uh i think uh, we can do a lot of good things against them fruitville's a good team i watched them play against savoy and seen some film and they're nobody to just think that you can just run over they got a lot of heart and they got some talent over there they got a good coach with trent taylor he's a young coach like me and he brings a lot of passion to the sideline and i think those boys over in fruitville really uh, back him up and they do a lot for him so I'm, I'm a little nervous but uh, I think that we can we can get the the right things going this week during practice we had a bye week and so we uh, dove in a little bit with the game plan but I kind of wanted to not overthink it and over uh over prepare for him so we kind of had a little fun last week and dialed down but we're ready to get back into business and hopefully we can take care of this first one and set up a uh, interesting game next week against union hill
0: who do you see as the strength union hill took out leverage chapel in their first district game uh, this past week what do you kind of how do you see the district playing out there
1: going into the season i uh had a feeling that leverage was going to be able to battle uh union hill for that number one spot and uh deep down i i wanted to say that we can we can take them. It's just we got to play perfect football Uh, when we go into the next two weeks, we got Union Hill, then Leverett's right after. So uh, even if we take care of Union Hill, we still got to go after Leverett's another solid team uh, back-to-back weeks and uh, right at the end of the season. So I'm hoping Union Hill is a really good team. I think that they end up taking the district if, uh, obviously, if we don't take care of business uh, against them in two weeks. But they're a really solid team. they got a, a nice offense. They just like to run the ball down your throat. Uh, they're hard-nosed football players. Their defense is pretty solid. They're fast. I think we can surprise some people. If, if we play the football that I know that we're capable of playing, I think we might can sneak around and uh, maybe get into the playoffs and maybe fight for the district title.
2: Okay, so I've got to ask. I saw on Facebook the other day a picture of the inside of your car <laughs> and there were a lot of red balloons in it. Can you tell me <laughs> what happened there?
1: Well, it was homecoming week a couple weeks ago and uh, it was after film on Saturday. We still had our red, white and uh, black balloons in the hallways from homecoming well, all the boys found out that I'm terrified of clowns and specifically it. <laughs> so they went and grabbed all the red balloons and put them in my car and I guess I left it unlocked that day and one (laughs) of the kids, my Garrett Roberts, uh, decided to coordinate it and filled my car up with balloons and opened the door about had a heart attack. So not watching the original back in when I was young, about five or six years old, I watched it. And ever since then, I got scarred. (laughs) So now it's not a awful uh, thing to be terrified about, but I just know to stay away from sewers. (laughs) (laughs) And Red Balloons.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. And you've got two daughters, am I correct?
1: Yes, sir. I got a uh, a three-year-old daughter uh, who just turned three in July, and then a uh, six-month-old. Uh, and Weslin uh, is the oldest. She's three. And then Kinley, she's the six-month-old.
0: So is your job as a dad to keep them away from the movie It or things like that until they get a little bit older than five or six? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, I thought I was trying to be cool and go and hang out with my brother's friends. And they were like, oh, we're watching this movie. I don't think you can handle it. Like, I can handle it. I couldn't. So <laughs> here we are 20 so years later, still scared of clowns. So.
2: Some things Everybody's just stick leave. with
0: you, don't they? <laughs>
1: yes, <sir>. Yes, ma'am.
0: <laughs> so I know last year you guys played basically on the baseball diamond. That was your football yes, field. Sir. You got a new one this year. How big a difference does that make just with the program in general, being able to get off what really is not a football field and really have a place to call your home?
1: I will say the boys enjoy it much more because there's more of that football atmosphere. Uh, last year, it was always just kind of like the, all right, we're going to go play football on our baseball field. And there wasn't really a whole lot of excitement going over to that field from the athletes. And moving it over to where we run uh, track practice, Um, We kind of already had a grass track over there. And I kind of was like, well, hey, we I mean, we just redid our baseball field and got new grass and everything. And I told him, I said, well, instead of going over there and tearing that grass up uh, and all that money we spent on it, let's let's see if we can push it over here and uh, just set up a temporary field for this year and see how it goes and see how the community likes it. And so far, it's been nothing but good vibes from everybody and everybody says they enjoy it and they like the atmosphere over there. Now we just got to get some lights so we don't have to play at five o'clock on Fridays. <laughs> it's a little hot sometimes.
2: Yeah, I bet, especially in August.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> we have, well, luckily we had a, uh, some uh, referee shortages on Friday night. So we played on Saturday morning. So we kind of escaped those hundred degree heat uh, early games at five o'clock. But it wasn't much better on Saturday morning at 11, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's just getting ramped up at that time. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's supposed to start off pretty stormy over there in East Texas tonight. I know we've gotten a windstorm over here, too, today.
1: Yeah, our, our, our field definitely needs some water, I can tell you that much. We don't have a sprinkler system, and we have about six or seven hoses we connect to the admin, and one sprinkler head at the end so I gotta move it every so often throughout the day and it's just not getting enough water out there so I'm hoping we get a nice little uh rainstorm over the next couple of days so when we host, host Union Hill next week we'll have a nice green green field instead of a dead one <laughs>
2: so is it like a typical six man where the fans bring their you know their lawn chairs and things or do you actually have you moved stands over there
1: we have some of those uh those four row like soccer bleachers that you see at soccer fields uh we have two on the home stand and uh on the visitor side we have one over there and then we suggest the visitors to always bring their uh lawn chairs but that's kind of what we did at the baseball field we didn't really have stands out at the baseball field all of our stand all of our fans stood behind the outfield fence and hung over the fence and uh cheered from there and the visitors were just on the infield in their lawn chairs so I think everybody's pretty excited about moving the field out there it kind of gives them more of a the kids feel more uh invested into instead of just being pushed to the side over at the baseball field and they I know they mentioned in the past that it just feels like they don't care about football and now that we've actually got a spot to play football and that's where football is played and baseball and that's where baseball is played. I think they're pretty excited about where things are going over here. And I know a lot of the community members are, are too. So.
0: That's good to hear. Let me ask you, I so saw, I saw a video at the start of the year and I had to listen really closely. I'm assuming that is you that was doing the voiceover on that really cool video.
1: Yes, sir. It was. the hype videos. To-
0: Yes, so I had to listen really close, because I'll be honest with you, Bobby, for a minute, I thought they had taken something that Matthew McConaughey had done. That's who it <laughs> sounded like, and I was like, wait, no, 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 that that's not him. So uh, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that or not, but on that video, you definitely sound like Matthew McConaughey.
1: Hey, I'll take any sort of comparison to Matthew McConaughey.
2: <laughs> I'm going to need to know where that video is so we can put it up, at least link to it.
1: It's on my Facebook page, I believe it's either uh, on that or the Campbell ISD page they one of the two
0: it it's on both you you shared it out there the Campbell uh, ISD page had it and then you shared it and so that that's where i saw it and that, that's kind of where it got me down the road of of the new uh field that you guys have and i just did i was like man that that's good that's good somebody did a really good job they even Oh, you know, laid over Matthew McConaughey's voice. Wait, that's not Matthew McConaughey. i
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to give a huge shout out to our tech director at Campbell, Jason Osei. He's definitely behind the uh, the mastermind behind those videos. So I just send him the video clips, and we kind of collab a little bit on how we want to do it and what we what point we want to get across, and he just makes it happen. So, and he's just been out sick the last couple of weeks, so we haven't had one from those. So, but we'll have one coming this week, so y'all you might want to take a look at that one
0: we'll have to check that out we'll have to put that up on the Backroads podcast page so let me ask you coach out in region three oftentimes teams get forgotten it's everybody talks about region one region two obviously you've got some powerhouses in region four that people look at and it seems to me like region three just seems to get lost in there a why do you think that is the case and it, it, it well i'll just leave it at that why do you think that is the case
1: well, for one, there's not a whole lot of us out here, and we we got to travel quite a ways uh, just to play district games. There's the rumor of West Texas is football, East Texas is basketball, and so when you get uh, down to the six-man level, it's there's not a whole lot of teams over here that just people feel like they deserve a lot of respect. And I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, Region Three is pretty tough, di- uh, pretty tough region, and you got Abbott in it, you got Blum, you got uh, Union Hill, Leverett's. Um, We got a lot of solid teams over here that I think can always uh, compete with those West Texas teams. And I'm from West central Texas, Brownwood area. So I know all about Richmond Springs, Strawn, Gordon, all those guys over there, Throckmorton. And uh, one of my buddies is actually the AD at Throckmorton, CJ Hance. I I know all about all those, the West Texas six man football. And I'll tell you that we got some, we got some teams over here that can make some noise. i I'm, if uh, no one out of our district makes it, I'm gonna definitely be rooting for Abbott and Coach Crawford over there. They got a solid program going this year, and they're gonna they're gonna make some noise in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, we talk about uh, Coach Crawford and the program he's built at Abbott. Um, we've discussed that a few times, but you know, we're always looking for the for the next team that's gonna jump up and and bite somebody because it happens every year, and we never know who's gonna do it. So oh, you know yeah. it could be the Campbell Indians.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm hoping so. We we got the talent to do it. We just got to get the mindset right, and uh, we've been they've kind of had a losing culture in the last few years, and uh, really ever since they started the program, they've just never had that that grind of getting through the adversity. And I think we're we're slowly getting over that hill, and uh, we're only going to lose two seniors this year and not saying they're replaceable but I got some guys uh, coming up that can definitely step up and uh, fill those holes and I'm really looking for that breakout near uh, breakout year next year in the years to come we got a decent junior high squad coming up and a lot of freshmen on our varsity team right now that last year they went undefeated in one district just got to fight fight through that losing culture that was uh, been stuck in our heads the last few years and I think we're kind of making that, uh, that direction. We're getting faster, getting stronger. Had 11 guys uh, go to regionals in track last year, and that's the most the program's ever taken. So uh, looking to take a little bit more this year and get the whole program involved. So I know track's a big deal in all sports. You got to be fast to play sports if you want to be good at it, I guess. That's kind of my, my mentality.
2: Well, I'm kind of glad you mentioned track because, you know, track's my thing. And so I'll be hitting you up here in a couple months for for track meet official stats so I can get that top five out there.
0: <laughs>
1: oh yeah, our kids looked at that all 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 year last year at the uh, toward the end going into uh, area. They're like, I wonder how fast we are compared. And I remember the first track meet last year we they 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 haven't they didn't really have a track program the last few years, and so all these kids this is new to them. And uh, I was like, hey, I want to run a mile relay with y'all, but I, I got to go out uh, out to our track and we got to see how fast you guys really are. Well, we run this thing called a uh, 50 second run and we try to get around the uh, around the whole track in 50 seconds. And then it's kind of every Monday we do that and kind of see by week to week how far we've gotten uh, in those 50 seconds. Well, we ran our first uh, track meet and we ran, I think it was like a four minute 20 second mile relay and I told him after the real I said like, guys I don't think mile relay is gonna be for us <laughs> and I said wait we either got to give that up and focus on something else or or what do y'all want to do and they're like coach I love this race like I think we can I think we can be really good at it I said all right well I'll give you one more week and then the next week we ran like a 350 and then after that we kind of just started uh doing a little bit better each week and we actually made it to the regional finals race and uh, and they were all freshmen and sophomores. So I'm really looking forward to having them for the next couple of years. And you don't get a whole lot of people that love to run the mile or the mile relay. So I, I'm excited for that coming into track season this next year.
2: Everybody loves to watch it. No one wants to run it.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's one of the toughest races out there.
0: Yeah, that's a gut check for sure. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure having you on here on a, a Sunday afternoon. I can see the smile ear-to-ear, Aggies win. Uh, hopefully your Campbell Indians are successful Friday night as you take on Fruitvale as well. But we do appreciate you coming in, and, and good luck for the rest of the season.
1: Yes, sir, guys. Thank you all, and I appreciate you all having me. You all keep doing what you're doing.
2: Well, you know, we we'll, you'll see us for cross-country basketball, track, you name it. We're going to be out there, so – We'll be looking for those Campbell Indians to do some winning.
1: Yes, ma'am. Looking forward to uh, putting us back on the map.
0: Well, it was great to get Coach uh, Pritchard on the uh, show with us out of Region 3. And he's right, Bobby. When you look at it, and you're somebody that's been doing this for a really long time, Region 3 just kind of gets forgotten about, especially those schools uh, east of Dallas.
2: They do. You know, and, and we're guilty of that, too. We've been trying to mention, you know, schools from every single region. But talking about those exciting games, we, we stick with the maze and the S- Sterling Cities and the, you know, Spring Lake Earths. And what I would love to do is I, every week when we go through games like what we're going to cover, I always look at the Region 3 games, you know, like St. Joe, Campbell, union hill i just really want to get over there and see some of those games you know it's kind of hard to do that with full-time job when you work till five um but one of these days maybe i'll just take the day off and drive on over there i know it's like a what a six or seven hour drive but but i think it'll be good they deserve coverage just like everyone else
0: no i i agree with you there and uh This
2: week, Groom and St. Joe are going to play each other, and they're meeting in Chillicothe. That should be
0: a really good game. It It really really, should. St. Joe playing some really good ball there. Groom always a a perennial powerhouse in the Texas Panhandle, so that should be a great matchup for anybody to go check that out. That's Groom and St. Joe in Chillicothe.
2: On Saturday, so you know what? I might just go on over to Chillicothe and watch that game. It starts at 2.
0: It's on Saturday no excuses, right?
2: That's right. It is it is fair game if it's on a Saturday.
0: That's right. Well, let's get started with it. We'll start in uh, division 1 in uh, top of the rankings. May Tigers no problem with Gorman 54 to nothing. Uh Water Valley and Erion County in a game that uh, for a while was a little closer than uh, probably most people expected. Uh Water Valley comes out on top though 78 to 32. Cannon Weiss for Water Valley. What a monster. 28 carries, 250 yards, and seven touchdowns. He was also 5 of 7 through the air for another 64 yards and a touchdown. He had 14 tackles as well and three uh, tackles for losses. So just an unbelievable game there for Weiss and Gabe Smith for Water Valley. Uh, two receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. For Arianne County, Jordan Harrison, he was doing some good work as well. 168 yards on the ground and three touchdowns and eight-and-a-half tackles. And Trevin Kofell. Son of uh, Coach Don Kofel, nine of twenty-two through the air, 203 and a touchdown, and twelve tackles.
2: You know, you're right. It was, <laughs> it was a little odd looking at the scoreboard on my phone app and seeing at one point, you know, Arian County was just right there with them, right there with them, and I thought, well, maybe that's wrong. But I watched Arian County earlier in the season that you know they looked pretty good for being. Uh, week one so here we are in week seven so i'm sure they have definitely gained a little experience and they obviously held it all out for water valley
0: that they did uh, the third ring sterling city eagles no problem with braun, 50 to nothing carter glass 139 yards passing and three touchdowns damian calderon let me tell you something that is a kid playing exceptional football right now two receptions 107 yards and two touchdowns and Kaz Johnson, nine tackles. They held the uh, Longhorns to 38 total yards in that ballgame. Looking at region of four, Jonesboro, ranked number four in the state. Coach Gallegos, no problem with Greenville Christian, 56-6. to Caleb Crystal, four carries, 162 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the four-year letterman Ian Show three carries, 78 yards and two touchdowns. Also had a pick six And Jacob Cisneros, five uh, carries, 67 yards and two touchdowns. If I remember correctly, Jonesboro did not have to throw a pass in that ballgame. Held Greensville Christian to 40 total yards. The uh, eighth ranked Westbrook Wildcats take out Highland 54 to nothing. And then number nine, Ira over Roby 54 to eight in that really tough District 7 there. Cody McCowan, 22 carries, 284 yards, and six touchdowns. Holden Rios, two receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown. And Hayden Hatley, five and a half tackles. Four of those were solo. Three of those tackles for losses. And for Roby, uh, Josh Adamas, 6 of 17 through the air for 128 yards and a touchdown. Gunnarham, 7 of 36 on the ground for five tackles. And Dylan Lujan, uh, good game uh, receiving. Three receptions, 160, 106, 160, 106 t- yards and a touchdown there for the Roby Lions. So Ira looking good to start District 7 play.
2: They sure are. You know, that's going to be a tough district. I think we talked about that before. You know, there's Rotan, Roby, Ira, Hermely. I mean, they they got some really good teams there, and it's going to be so interesting to see who comes out on top.
0: Yeah, there's some great matchups in District 7 every single week. And then an upset in the top ten. Knox City, the Greyhounds, I don't know if people wrote them off, but just kind of went, well, they lost a lot, you know, maybe Knox City is down this year. They jump up and surprise the Paducah Dragons, 72 to 56.
2: Yeah, that, that was a little surprising. Uh, Stephen and Johnna went and covered that game for us, and they broadcast it. And Stephen said that it was like a track meet the first half of the uh, game. But I guess they settled down a little bit. And, yeah, Knox City comes away with that over Paducah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's an impressive victory there in District 3. Uh, now moving on down to Division 2. We'll start at the top with Motley County. The Matadors, no problem with Guthrie. 90 to 12. 90 points in the first half.
2: Yes, that's, that's a lot.
0: That is a lot. The,
2: the Matadors were hitting on all cylinders.
0: <laughs> exactly. Coach Lee and his strong Greyhounds ranked number two. Uh, they kind of said, oh, if you can do that, Molly County, we pretty much can too. They take out Bluffdale 78 to six. And then the number three, Follett Panthers and Coach Copley there 58 to eight over LaFour's. Uh, Follett still undefeated on the season. Ah, uh, number four ranked Jayton, the Jaybirds. No problem with Southland, forty-seven to nothing. And then that brings us to the matchup of number five versus number six, Anton and Woodharrow, doing battle in Woodharrow. I covered that game for you, Bobby, and it was, you know what? People are gonna say all they want about six-man. That was as good a six-man game as you were gonna see. Uh, it, it was just both teams were really impressive. The kids gave everything they had, both sides of the ball. I could name off a, a half a dozen kids for you on each side that I thought just had some really uh, good plays in that ball game. But Anton comes out on top 56 to 51. And this game was back and forth. Wood Harrell was on top at halftime. And in fact, midway through the third quarter, they were up 51 to 42. And I made the statement this is the Panthers' largest lead of the game. Guess what? Wood Harrell didn't score after that. Anton scores twice to finish the third quarter. And then nobody scores in the fourth. Whit Harrell, they've got a uh, fourth and about nine, which really didn't matter. They were at about the 28-yard line, last play of the ballgame. And uh, Shemadrick Weaver's pass uh, ended up short of his intended target. So the Bulldogs win that one. Well, Let's talk about the stats. And I want to tell you about a crazy incident that went on in that ballgame. So we'll start with Ant. Sergio Champion, he's a champion. He's impressive. Ten carries, 135 yards in a touchdown, 14 of 20 through the air, 265 yards six touchdowns he also uh, got an interception in that ball game Ashton martinez with a really good one five receptions four of those went for scores and 138 yards and then the big man edmundo avilos three receptions 58 yards and two touchdowns and then for the panthers shamadrick weaver you talked about him last week 11 carries 155 yards and two scores 7 of 20 through the air, 133 yards and two more touchdowns. Chris Chavez, 72 yards receiving and a score. Dylan Villegas, uh, 58 uh, receiving yards and a touchdown and had a rushing touchdown that, in that one as well. Uh, both Coach Hoover and Coach Lemon should be extremely proud of their players. Uh, it was just a really fun game to uh, cover. But I will tell you, and I believe it was the last touchdown from Anton, Sergio Champion takes it, I think, out of the T-gun formation he scrambles out to the right, starts down the sideline. And, of course, my son Connor does the color commentary. And, and so he's the one that kind of fills me in afterwards, you know, because you're kind of you're looking at things and you, you don't know exactly what's going on as you're doing the play-by-play. Sergio Champion gets to about the 10, coming down the right sideline. I'm going, he's at the 10, at the 5, and he's going, But about the 10, I see this white figure come flying. One of the fans for Whit Harrell took his cowboy hat standing along the railing and threw it from the railing and it landed right there at about the out-of-bounds mark. Oh. The Whit uh managers, they quickly rushed out to get it. I think they were hoping that the uh, the referee didn't see it. Uh, you know, I give the referees credit because that's a play where they could have called an unsportsmanlike conduct against whitt Instead, they just kicked the fan out. And I think that was the right thing to do. Don't penalize the kids on the field for it. Right. Uh, so I thought that that was great. But, you know, you and I talked after that game I, and I could be wrong. I think there was about 750 people at that game. It was lined up both sides. Stands were full. It was an incredible atmosphere uh, there in Whitherald. And Anton uh, Whit Whitherald did not leave the fans disappointed. Bulldogs win that one 56 to 51.
2: You know, I was so excited about that game. I covered uh, Whitefest on O'Donnell, which was a really good game as well. I listened to the broadcast of the Anton Whit Herald game, and that was some exciting, exciting stuff. I, I had no idea who was going to win that game, even in the fourth quarter. But you're right; it was it was surprising that no one scored
0: in the fourth <laughs> quarter. As much as we were back and forth, especially in that first half, I thought, "Well, this is going to be one of those eighty to seventy-five games." And I made the comment in the first half. The last team to touch the ball is liable to win, and sure enough, Whit Harrell had it, and they were driving downfield. Just couldn't get anything. The rush for Anton really started to get to Weaver in the second half. They were bringing three guys, wouldn't allowing him to get a lot of uh, momentum coming forward, so they weren't letting him scramble outside, and he was having to quickly dump it off. So that that had an impact in that ball game, but uh, just just an excellent, excellent ball game. There's a young man for Harrell who just impressed me. Nomar Gomez, number 24. He's a little guy, Bobby. He probably can't be more than 5'8", 5'9". He'll probably listen to this and go, I'm 5'11", you know, but (laughs) he didn't look very big, you know, 150 pounds, soaking wet. But he played that nose guard position for Harrell, and he mixed it up every single play, and he was in on so many tackles, so active up front, and he didn't back down from anybody, and, That's the kind of play that you love to see at the six-man level.
2: Oh, definitely, especially from the little guys because we see little guys all the time. It's really not their stature. It's just what they feel mentally like they can do. I think that if you put your mind to it, you can always do something.
0: No, you're right, Bobby. And so let's move on. Number nine, Klondike, after falling last week to Whitherald, they get back up. They defeat the Fort Davis Indians 44 to 37 and we'll round it out with number 10 that would be the Richland Springs Couts. Uh, they were victorious over the Rochelle Hornets 79 to 30.
2: That kind of surprised me I expected Rochelle to stay with them a little bit more Rochelle is actually very young they have one of the super freshmen I think there are several around the state I'm just going to go out on a limb here, but I really think it's going to be Richland Springs and Rochelle in that district going into the playoffs.
0: No, I, I, I think you're right there. Now, let's look at some other scores around the state. One that surprised you and I both. Spur ekes out a victory over Kroll 68-60. Wildcats haven't won a game all season long, and here they are going to toe-to-toe with the Bulldogs, who have been teetering with that top 10 all season long.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bulldogs go into Kroll. That's always a hard place to play, though. Always a hard place to play. I've
0: played there before. I know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> I think anybody who's ever went to Kroll for any type of game would understand. I expected Kroll to turn it around a little bit. I mean, they have Coach Parsley, and he's not going to rest on, hey, we're over. Let's go, guys. And, you know, sometimes, teams will trudge along and then all of a sudden it's like you're trying to get them over the hump and then they finally get over the hump. You know, maybe that's what's happening here with Kroll.
0: It could, it could be. Uh, for in that game LeSean Walker 14 carries 276 yards just 7 touchdowns. Corey uh, Hamilton 142 yards, two scores and 10 and a half tackles. And then for the Wildcats, Hayden Manny, 24 carries, 199 yards and five scores. He was also uh, had 195 yards passing through the air and two touchdowns. Dylan Carney, his favorite target, uh, 74 yards receiving and a touchdown. And Austin Hernandez, 56 yards and a receiving touchdown as well. And we'll uh, we'll kind of get into that because that that District Three there in Division One is going to be really interesting as we kind of look through District play here in just a moment. Uh, other games uh, out in Region Four: the Blanket Tigers, they blank. Rising star, 58 to nothing. Rising star of the Wildcats, only 73 yards of total offense. Braden Day, 152 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Also had 12 tackles, two interceptions, sold popcorn and uh, peanuts at halftime. (laughs) Uh, Carlos Morales, 68 uh, 68, 68 carries. Now that would be impressive. 68 rushing yards and a touchdown. And Aiden Wheeler, 26 yards receiving, caught two passes, both of them for touchdowns, and had four tackles in that game. Coach Pritchard mentioned the Abbott Panthers and uh, Coach Crawford there. They uh, victorious over Lamita 58 to 12. That went a little, little further out there than I expected. Uh, Abbott really doing a number on Lamita. Robert Munoz, 101 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Riley Sestala, 67 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Also had 74 yards passing. Kane Klaus, uh, seven and a half tackles, one and a half of those uh, tackles for loss. And Joy Pavelka, six tackles, four of those solo. And for LaMita, Tim Juarez, 33 yards on the ground. Alonzo Caso, 58 yards through the air and a touchdown. Uh, Dylan Workman caught uh, two touchdowns in this ballgame and had 52 yards receiving, seven tackles and two and a half tackles for a loss. So a big win there for Abbott.
2: Abbott's going to roll, just like Coach Pritchard said. And, you know, we've mentioned them before. Coach Crawford's got a great program over there. And so I, I always expect them to do well every single season.
0: The Abbott Panthers doing well. Uh, White Deer and Claude. We talk about halftime games. White Deer puts up 83 on Claude. Claude puts up 38. What yes. a wild scoring uh, effort there. Carson Ketchum led the way for the Bucks, 291 yards through the uh, on the ground and six touchdowns. Holton Hill a 45-yard uh, receiving touchdown in that game. Valley and McLean played Thursday night. That's a game I went to, and the Patriots looked impressive. Coach Stanley has them playing well. Corbin Stanley, the uh, quarterback there for the Patriots, three touchdowns. Blake Beard, if I, remember right, uh, if I remember correctly, had two rushing touchdowns in that game. Patriots are for real, and uh, people better not sleep on them because they're going to make some noise uh, in that district. I believe um, that. Yeah, Meta and Wellman Union. Mehta wins that one 67-22. Caleb Sanchez, only four carries, 149 yards. All four of those go for scores. Jimmy German, 39 yards receiving, nine tackles, two interceptions, one pick six, and a kickoff return for a touchdown, and he did play-by-play when he wasn't on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jimmy
2: German, he's a a serious player over there from Meadow.
0: (laughs) That he is. Uh, A game that you were at, the O'Donnell Screaming Eagles, one of my favorite mascot names, they defeat the Face 72-44. to they
2: did. They that game could have gone either way. Uh, what happened there toward the end in the third quarter is Whiteface started coming back, and they were just—if I remember correctly—they were only one score when the fourth quarter hit, and then O'Donnell said, "Oh, wait a minute, we're we're not going to do this," and and basically took off. But I was very impressed with both those teams. O'Donnell and Whiteface both have two, uh, a freshman apiece that were extremely impressive. O'Donnell has Cameron Grant. Well, put it this way. When I asked the AD at O'Donnell, I said, Coach Nichols, what, who's number 31? And he said, oh, that's Cameron Grant. He's a freshman. Wow. And, and I said, uh, are you sure? <laughs> and yeah, he was sure. Uh, also, we have for white face, Jeremiah Rendon, and he led the antelope offense and did a really good job. So those are two freshmen to keep your eye on. It's, it's amazing how many freshmen have stepped up this year. Have you noticed that?
0: No, it, there's been a lot. And it's, you know, not to slight any of the classes, but it sure seems like we got a ton of juniors doing really well and a ton of freshmen doing really well. And, and you see that week after week when we read that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it has definitely been a strong freshman class. So O'Donnell with the victory there. Another big game in District 13, Santa Ana and Baird. Santa Ana was undefeated coming into this ballgame, but the Baird Bears come out on top, 72-24. to Cedar Cobble, seven rushing touchdowns in this game, the final one invoked the mercy rule. He only took it to the house from 75 yards out. It was impressive. The one thing I did not know is I, I couldn't find the rushing totals. I watched the highlights, so I was able to figure out how many touchdowns he had. But I, he had to have close to 300, 350 yards rushing. And imp- An impressive performance there by Cobble and the Baird Bears. They get a big victory in District 13. In District 10? uh union hill leverage chapel doing battle union hill comes out on top 44 to 28 we knew it'd be a close game and that's exactly what we had nazareth uh, really starting to uh, step up as the likely runner up in district two they defeat the petersburg buffaloes 50 to nothing luke schulte with five touchdowns and then the hermley cardinals we had coach winners on last week and they were uh, victorious over the Aspermire hornets and i know he was worried about that game but uh well, they did a number on them. 53 to 6, victorious in that one. And and guess what? Bubba Digby. Uh, doing <laughs> There's old number. Bubba again. There's Bubba. In that ball game, Digby had 113 yards on just nine carries and two touchdowns. Stetson Digby. Gotta get as many Digby's in there as you can. One carry, one yard, one touchdown. Greatest <laughs> stat line ever. I'm Bubba telling was you. Through, uh, six of eleven through the air for 134 yards and three touchdowns. Patrick Carr, uh, two of those receptions for 65 yards. Zane Knocklinger, two catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. And then Mateo Clement and Hunter Simpson, both had a touchdown. And the guy that he really likes is Kai Vargas. Eight tackles, three of those for losses, two of those for sacks. And uh, he just talked about Vargas going all out, and that's exactly what he did in that win against the Hornets. And then uh, we'll finish up a last game. Fruitvale over Savoy, 54 to 6. And When you talk about Savoy, you got to talk about what, Bobby?
2: You have to talk about the three brothers.
0: That would be the Mendoza brothers.
2: It is the Mendoza brothers. There are twins, Aiden or no, man. I don't know how their mother keeps them apart. I would never say the correct name. (laughs) I (laughs) I just had two kids and I couldn't say their names correctly. The twins are juniors. And they are Auden and Eden, and they have a freshman brother named Aiden. So you can see how that would be a little confusing. Wow. So that got me to thinking, you know, I think that there are a lot of six man towns who have a plethora of twins in their midst. Um, I just off the top of my head, I was thinking, and You know, Coach Josh Stanland at Jayton, he's got twin boys. I think they're in first or second grade. Sammy Winters, twin girls. Caleb Calloway at Knox City has twins. Ty Keith at Sterling City has twins. And also the game I watched Friday night, a pair of twins. Uh, Number two and number 12 are twins for the O'Donnell Screaming Eagles. So I just always thought that was really cool. And I think I think Aryan County has a uh, uh, several sets of twins, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe we should like make this a little thing where, where you know, people email us and tell
0: us who all has twins, because that's that could be a really cool thing. Sounds like as many coaches as you named off with twins. If you want twins, get start coaching six man football. If you <laughs> don't want twins, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is a lot. That's what
2: one, two, three, four. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that was just off the top of my head.
0: (laughs) That's crazy. You know, one thing I
2: wanted to talk about was the Will Dorado at Chillicothe game at Claude. Oh, let's hear about it. Oh, on Saturday. As a photographer, you really like it when the sun is up because you get much better pictures. Um, So we were excited to go there on a Saturday at 1 p.m. Of course, it was probably the last hot day. Of 2021 and it was 95 degrees, uh, that was a little interesting. But we we got there and we I was going to help Michael in the box with the broadcast while Densey took pictures and the clock guy was up there and he had the music going for pregame and everything. And all of a sudden, a man appeared at the door and he came in the press box and he looked a little nervous and he said, "Hey." do you think we could turn the music off? And of course, as you know, people were looking at him a little strangely and he said, we're filming a movie right behind the stands and we really need the music to be off so we can film.
0: <laughs> Obviously they are not from Texas.
2: Obviously they are not. Uh, so I got a little, <laughs> got a little information. There's a movie being filmed. In Claude, on the school grounds, I think they were shooting um, in the gym or something. It's called. It's supposed to be called What Remains. It's a faith-based movie. They have been filming in various Panhandle towns for a while now. Um, they just happened to coincide with our game in Claude, so that was a little interesting. Um, very interesting that we had to turn the pregame music off. So those those players from Will Dorado and chili coffee they just kind of had to warm up with no music
0: that, that's crazy I, I know that movies uh, had some filming here in canyon and i know that they were using some of the Claude uh, students as a uh, stand ins or extras in that ball game in that uh, movie so it should be interesting I, i'm looking forward to seeing that movie when it comes out
2: isn't that cool though that is really cool i know that a lot of six-man towns that have, have movies made in them before i mean your town has a movie named after it it is a different
0: movie but it's named after happy
2: (laughs) it is different (laughs) but it is it's called happy texas
0: there you go so bobby we're through week seven and just looking at it real quick we've got if i've got this right only six undefeated teams left in division one hermley abbott baird may water valley and jonesboro and nine on the division two side fallett headley Anton, loop jayton motley county benjamin strawn and throckmorton i really thought we'd have more than that at this point
2: that kind of sounds like you thinking that they should be undefeated is like me saying oh we're early in the season when it was week six
0: maybe you're right i, I do think there is definitely uh more parity out there this year uh, i think so you know at times well, you kind of look at it and you look at the top five or six ranked teams and you're like there's just nobody can play with them. We'll wait for them to meet in the semifinals, and it's over with. And I don't think that's necessarily the case this year. It definitely seems like everything's a little more spread out, uh, which should make for some really interesting playoffs as we get there. And we talked last week that we would uh, talk about the districts real quick, and so we'll, we'll kind of hit those real quick. District 1, Bobby, uh, to me, White Deer, Valley, Happy, it's going to come down to those three, and they play uh, each other in the next couple of weeks, and I think that will decide everything there in that district.
2: I agree totally.
0: District two, Spring Lake Earth, uh, no doubt, I think they will be the top team there. Uh, then it'll come down, I think, probably to Naz- Nazareth or Crest. The way Nazareth's playing, I think Nazareth will, will have that one. Uh, district three, this is the interesting one because you got Paducah, Knox City, and Spur. Well, Knox City just knocked off Paducah. You still got Spur there. So that's another uh, three-team district that uh, should have some interesting implications as games go on over the next couple of weeks.
2: We might have an interesting triangle
0: come out of that one. That that we may. District four. Now this this is a fascinating district because only one team in this district is above five hundred. That's Whiteface. They're four and three, but yet they are zero and one in district play because they lost O'Donnell. O'Donnell's one and five. Borden County's one and five. Metas two and five. Any reason to think that Borden County doesn't come out on top in this one, or the Screaming Eagle is going to have something to say about that?
2: I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup. I can't really say right now, but my gut tells me Borden County, but, you know, O'Donnell's got a one-two punch um, with number three and number 31 on offense and defense. They play both ways and do an outstanding job. So I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Borden County's strength of schedule could help them a lot when they go play
0: O'Donnell. Moving on down to Region Two, District Five: Marfa, Fort Davis, Van Horn, and Buena Vista. I don't have a clue. Three and three, four and three, four and three, five and two. What are your thoughts? Well,
2: I've seen I've seen some of those teams. Uh, You know, Fort Davis gave Klondike a run for their money this past uh, Friday. In Rankin, they met and Rankin played. And Fort Davis, they're, they seems like they're a sleeper. Uh, Van Horn, if they've got the numbers, you know, they did play a couple weeks with only six players. If Van Horn can, can just get those players a little rest with some more bodies on the field, I think they're going to do well. And Buena Vista came out like gangbusters at the beginning of the season. And um, they've kind of slowed down a little bit. I guess we'll see what's going to happen in a district five. I think that's going to be very interesting, but.
0: It will be Uh, district six garden city ranking. I think it's uh, going to come down to those two in that district Uh, district seven. And we've talked about this one, boy, Roby, Ira, Rotan, Hermley right now. If you were to ask me, I think it's going to be Ira, Rotan and Hermley battling out for two spots.
2: I agree completely.
0: District eight. um, (laughs) What? Is it anybody but Westbrook and Sterling City? No, I really don't think so. Not this year. Yeah, that, that, that's the power of that district. Region 3 and District 9. St. Joe looks really good as a pro, as the probable champion out of this district.
2: You're right, they do. Newcastle played pretty good. Uh, Bryson's been playing pretty well. And can't ever not talk about Perrin. but St. Joe... I I hope to see them Saturday and I can give you a little bit more information next week. How about that?
0: That sounds good. District 10. We talked to coach Pritchard about that one. Union Hill, Leverage Chapel, Campbell, uh, Fruitvale, all in there. You know, I, that's a tough district right there. It is district 11 is fascinating. So this is a district with Avalon in it, Bynum, Covington, Milford, and Blum. You would think Blum would be the heavy favorite, but decimated with injuries which I think is kind of thrown this whole district wide open for somebody to take it.
2: I think so, too. Obviously, it's contagious because Covington started out the season with half of their players out because of injuries. So District 11 is up in the air for me.
0: I'm with you. District 12, I think Abbott, 7-0 and on the season. This is theirs uh, to take. Uh, the question will be, is it Penelope, Aquila, or Coolidge coming in in that number two spot?
2: I'm going to go with Aquila. Got to go with Aquila. You know, Coach Williams is there. This is his first year, and uh, they've been doing a lot of good work here the last couple weeks.
0: In uh, Region 4, District 13, uh, you know, we talked about Santa Ana. They went into the, uh, the district play undefeated, but they lost that first game to Baird. This is a district with May, Santa Ana, Baird, Lingleville, and Gorman. This is a really competitive district. I think May is the class of this district, but that number two spot, wide open.
2: It is. It is. That'll be interesting to see who slips into number two.
0: District 14, Water Valley. Boy, we've talked about how strong they are. Uh, I, I think they are the class of this district, but then you got Erion County, uh, Eden, Veribest there. It should be a tough district as well for that number two spot.
2: It, it should be, but I think Erion County is going to come away with that one.
0: District 15, Jonesboro, no surprise. Coach Gallegos got his team at 7-0. LaMita playing so well to start the season. Then they get a loss, but uh, they, I think you still have to say they are the favorites for that number two spot in this district.
2: Oh, definitely. I think Jonesboro's one and LaMita's two.
0: And then speaking of wide open, District 16, Noises Canyon, Medina, Prairie Lee, McDade, and Lakey. Lakey <laughs> was ranked to start the season I guess you kind of give them the edge as the uh, top team out of this district.
2: I would think so. Medina's playing better this year than they have the last few seasons. Uh, Lakey has a lot of seniors. I do know that. I don't know if you saw that score between Nueces Canyon and McDade, but Nueces Canyon, Coach Fletcher over there, they took on McDade and they won. It may have just been by a couple of points, but they did take out McDade
0: last week. No, you're right. They won that one 34-32. So let's look uh, down at uh, Division 2 We'll start at the top. District 1, this is Follett's district. Uh, this coming week, Headley and Miami battle. To me, that's whoever wins that ballgame gets the uh, number two spot out of this district. District 2, I think it's Groom and Will Dorado. Uh, they will battle for the top spot. And if I remember correctly, they play the last game of the season against each other. Yes, yeah, uh, so we have to wait for that one, you know. Yeah that we do district three so we talked about Whitharald and Anton to me it's Anton number one now that they won Whitherald number two I just don't see Amherst Cotton Center last buddy being able to stay with either one of those teams uh district four now this one loop seven and0 on the season you know kind of like Headley the question is how tough has the schedule been the Klondike Cougars in there and well in there as well at six and one you know can loop be impressive enough to either get the district or finish number two in that district will be interesting.
2: That will be interesting. You know, be, I think it'll come down uh, between loop and sands. Definitely.
0: District five there in region two, obviously you got to talk about the Bomberay bears, uh, but Grand Falls royalty five and two on this season. You put them as the number two team out of this district?
2: I don't know. You know, I've watched Sanderson play a little bit, and and they have spurts of, of greatness. So I, that's, that's going to be very interesting.
0: It will be. District six. So Lorraine is five and two on the season. Then everybody else in the district is one and five, oh and four, one and five, two and five. Ooh black crystal ball and tell me
2: yes that's exactly what we're going to need is a crystal ball but i'm going to go with blackwell at number two just because the kids on that team they may be reeling for from graduating seniors last year
0: but they understand what it means to win district seven jayton motley county one two Uh, i'm not sure how you're going to shake those out Uh, they will decide that on the gridiron and those will be your top two spots there i would imagine District eight, hey, break up the Benjamin Mustangs. seven and zero oh on this season, and I don't see any reason why they don't win this district. The question is, I, I think it's got to be rule for number two, right? Oh, it's definitely. I think
2: it's definitely going to be rule. Okay. Coach Sweet. Kitley's got the Bobcats playing very well, although they went down the loop, um, they never gave up, and and they just they're playing they're playing really well for rule
0: Bobcats. All right, now on to Region three, District ten. Uh Goldberg 5 and 2 <laughs> Fanindale 4 and 1 are those your top 2 teams? Don't you love these tough questions?
2: You know, some of these districts are pretty cut and dried, but yeah, and then others are just really hard to choose, but Coach Helms is at Goldberg and I can never never say that he he's not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> um you just can't count him out. He's kind of like, you know, it'd be like counting Vance Jones out of the playoffs. Just don't do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> district 11 uh Strawn, obviously the greyhounds really really tough gordon at five and one does it does the number two spot come down to uh gordon winning it i, I
2: really think gordon's going to take that and i plan to be at that strong gordon game you
0: and a thousand other people
2: yes me and a thousand other people and um uh, you know those two towns are what seven miles apart That's the largest rivalry I have ever seen. It's insane. It really is intense. And uh, they play the the last, oh, they absolutely adore each other. (laughs) Yes. That's the last game of the season, Strawn versus Gordon. And I think it it is at Gordon this year. So that's going to be an interesting
0: game. But yeah, definitely think they are one and two. And then uh, District Nine, I, I, sorry, District, yeah, District Nine. I skipped over that one. So this one, Throckmorton, the Greyhounds playing really well there into Coach hands, seven and zero on the season. But then you look at the rest of the district, it, Paint Creek with the best record. Is that your number two team? But they lost their first district matchup.
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, this is the first year Paint Creek has played in what two or three years, and Moran was in that. They they beat them. They beat Paint Creek this last Friday just don't know i do i do pick throckmorton as one though
0: yeah that that seems to be pretty easy and then district 12 um man cranfield's gap Iradell, walnut springs what do you think i mean cranfield's gap and Iradell both came out with district victories to start the year over copper and walnut springs
2: they did uh but you have to remember that iridale hasn't played that many games they've they've had some injuries and health issues and stuff like that but I think that's going to be a good district to watch to see exactly what happens, because some of these, you know, you think, you know, and we, we're just talking heads, Craig, just like just like we talk about with the NFL or college football. And and we can think that we know, but we don't know. We play the game every weekend because you just don't know.
0: Oh, you're correct there. You, every week there is a game, uh, an outcome that you go. I didn't expect that one.
2: Every single week, every, and it's great. I love that. So if you're a team that maybe you don't have that many wins and you're listening to us and maybe getting a little upset with us right now, Hey, go out there and do something about it. And we're going to watch it and we're going to mention you next week.
0: That we will. We'll finish this up in region four district 13, Apple Springs, Calvert, Chester and Oakwood. Oakwood, the only team to able to get in the the most uh, games in this district but it's hard to go against Calvert at the end of the day.
2: It really is. Um, it, it's, you know, Calvert and Oakwood are always right there battling it out. So I expect that to happen again this this season.
0: District 14, Oglesby, Mount Calm, is that your one-two there?
2: Probably Oglesby definitely won Mount Calm. Um, Buck Colt's hasn't been doing real well. Uh, and Dimebox, I don't think they've had very many games, have they?
0: They have not. They have not. Uh, district 15. And this one is another one. Uh, blanket looks like they are the uh, overwhelming favorites out of this district. And then it's, man, you just throw things up in the air. Sydney got the uh, first uh, district victory uh, as they uh, took out Panther Creek. But Brooks Smith, Panther Creek, Rising Star, Sydney, all right there clumped together.
2: They, they're going to be clumped together until the end, I believe.
0: And then finally in District 16. So Richland Springs is is in this district, and I think we expect them to win it. But then Cherokee, Rochelle, they're both in this district. Who comes out victorious there? Oh. Well, and don't forget Mullen as well.
2: That's right. Mullen's been playing extremely well. And Lone is just trying to get started back. I know they got a really excited coach um, who's kind of, you know, who's building a program there mm mm-hmm. Just because I'm going to go with my gut, I'm going to think, you know,
0: Richland Spring, obviously, one, and I'm going to go with Rochelle as two. All right. So there's a look at districts, both Division One and Division Two, and uh, a look across the state. As you said, that's our opinion, and uh, you know how much that – you know will cost you to take it's nothing it's free
2: yeah that's right (laughs) it's not really worth a whole lot so no it's not and i i really do like to base my opinion on actually you know the personnel on the field and watching them play and how they play as a team there are so many different factors not that just you have all these athletes that can score that's just a small part of the game Since we're finished with that district stuff, you know, there's some things that that have happened around uh, that have happened and are happening around six main community that I wanted to talk about. Number one on my list is we're coming down to 1A on odd years. Go if you have a band in your 1A school, you are eligible to go to state if you get past the regional competition and qualify, right? And that's going to be coming up. Um, our band activity website, webpage is updated. Uh, but there was a nice little message on Facebook from Bront to the people of Sterling City. And I kind of wanted to read that because it's so wonderful. And it does say a lot to the Sterling City Eagle fans. A sincere thank you for showing respect to the Bront Longhorn Band this evening. More times than not, the opposing fans clear the stands before our band has a chance to perform. These students put in as much work and passion into what they do on the field as our other athletes and deserve the same support and recognition. It was heartwarming to see so many of you stay in the stands and give these kids your time this evening. Please know that your kindness did not go unnoticed. God bless. Isn't that cool? I love that.
0: That is awesome. And so many of those notes that you see at the smallest levels, because other small towns appreciate what other small towns do for them.
2: That's right. They do. You don't see that a lot at the 11-man level. Also coming up, district (laughs) cross-country. It is. There's one district that's already ran, and this next week will be district cross-country running. And you all know I love times, so... If you have the official times for your district cross country, send them to me because, you know, I'm going to get out those those fastest 25 in each in each region before that happens, which the regional cross country meets happen either October 25th or 26th. So that's coming up as well. And of course, you know, there's a week in November that just kills me <laughs> um, because volleyball district, you know, the ra- those races are in full swing. So there's one week in November where we've got cross country state, we got volleyball state, we got band contests, we got basketball starting up, and we've got football. I mean, we've got it all going
0: on at the same time. It is a wild and crazy time going on right now. Well, Bobby, let's finish things up with Lehman's Six Man 101. Oh,
2: Lehman's Six Man 101. I love this part. Uh, We're going to go over two games today that Lehman has available on Six Man Films. It's a YouTube channel. Go and search it out. We have a link to it on our webpage for the Backroads podcast. First game is the 1987 by district matchup, Lone and Bynum. One of the more inexplicable state champions, if one simply looks at a list of six man state champion has to be lone sticking out in a sea of Fort Hancock titles with their championship run in 1987. Lone's playoff route to the title game as a district runner up involved three very close and low scoring games, with the first coming via a 48 42 win over Bynum in the by district round. With under three minutes to play in the game and Bynum in possession and driving down the field, the Bulldogs faced a fourth and four at midfield. On a run play, Bynum comes as close to a first down as possible without actually getting it. The ball turns over on downs, and the lone Eagles run out the clock to win the game.
0: Wow. You just don't see that very often, a team that goes on and wins the state title playing that close a game in by district.
2: That's correct. Yes, and, you know, 48-42, they kind of eked out that win in 1987. So the second game, That Lehman was interested in, and actually it's a really good game. You should go watch it. The 1992 quarterfinal Panther Creek versus Cherokee in a rematch of a week one game where Cherokee defeated Panther Creek, 26 to 14 Panther Creek would pull off an upset 70 to 68 win over the Indians in the third round of the playoffs in dramatic fashion. Cherokee was in complete control early and took a comfortable 50 to 24 lead into the locker room at halftime. Cherokee managed just six points in the third quarter and with Panther Creek scoring quickly in the fourth, drew within two points down 56 to 54. The two schools exchanged TDs, with Cherokee missing their PAT and Panther Creek converting theirs to take their first lead 70 to 62. However, with 238 left to play, Cherokee drove down the field and scored with 22 seconds left. Panther Creek running back Monty Bolden gave maximum effort diving as if he was falling on a grenade to save his his teammates and block the would-be tying PAT kick and saving the game for the Panthers. Panther Creek would use this as fuel to Mercy Rule district rival Christoval in the semifinals and then upset Fort Hancock in the state championship game. Quarterback Chad Humphreys was 25 for 48 for 426 yards with five touchdowns passing for Panther Creek and Monty Bolden who blocked the critical PAT kick scored several touchdowns, including the game winner.
0: You know, that was a fantastic ball game. It was all you got to do is read it and know it was fantastic. You can only imagine watching it.
2: Oh, I know. So Go on over to Six Man Films. It's a YouTube channel. You can get to us, get to it from our podcast page. All you have to do is search it up and you can watch that game. Man, that was I bet that was an exciting game. Lots of people screaming, yelling, cheerleaders, all kinds of good stuff going on there.
0: No doubt in my mind whatsoever. That was a great one. Panther Creek 70, Cherokee 68 in the 92 quarterfinal. That's the kind of stuff you can find out with Lehman's Six-Man 101.
2: And I'm so glad we have Lehman to do to, to do this for us
0: because, you know, I learned some really cool stuff from those old games. It's great to learn the history of six-man football. And, you know, you look at it and, and some of the teams that don't do so well now, you look back in the 80s and the 90s or even the 70s and you go, they sure were good back then.
2: They sure were. You know, and I always get that question. I don't know. Like maybe it's just circulating around us older folks. I always get the question, what's the best game that you ever saw? It, it, and it's a
0: tough one. It really is.
2: It is because every year I see one that I'm like, that's the best game I've ever seen. And then I start thinking about it and comparing it to past games. But, you know, it's kind of hard to compare games like that.
0: It, it it most definitely is, but uh, you can get one multiple of those games every year in six man football, and that that's the that's the fun aspect of it.
2: It definitely is. Um, I think the best one that I've seen in a long time here in the modern times, if that's what you want, <laughs> and did the little air quotes modern, uh, was the game that Rankin and McLean played at Friendship a few years ago. That was one of the best games I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. that That's the game where they basically carried Ben Crockett off on a stretcher. Cause he was so tired at the end of the game. He wasn't hurt. He was so tired. <laughs> he was just tired. I mean, everybody,
2: it was like, it was brutal. That whole game was just brutal, but Oh, it was such a good game.
0: I'll never forget it. Well, that, that's great to hear. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us here on week seven. So much that we covered and so much going on this week. As we got district play hot and heavy across the state and those prognost prognostications, if I can say that word, <laughs> that's uh, a good to, word uh, to get that word out there that we made about district play. We'll find out just how smart we are probably after this week, because I, I think that will start to clear the air a little bit in some of these districts that seem just a little bit muddled.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And,
0: you know, maybe we should have a little fun with this. And, and what is that? So we're gonna we're gonna have a bet here and we, we um, write down what we pick and then the winner a, what?
2: A little wager. You know, every wager I ever make is for steak. So I mean, you know, I'm all about the steak. <laughs> I'm not hard to please, just give me a steak and I'm happy.
0: Every Wednesday night, Bobby Brown has her a steak, I promise you, folks. <laughs> I
2: do, I do. It's called steak night, it's awesome, and I would be probably a little cranky if I didn't have it
0: <laughs> well before we get out of here I want to remind everybody when Texas 1A fan does a broadcast if you ever want to go back and listen to that just pull it up on Mixler M-I-X-L-R go find the Texas 1A fan uh, broadcast page that's on there and there's a little piece called show reels every game that Texas 1A fan has done you can go back and listen to those games and there have been some doozies to listen to uh, and so that, that's important you know A lot of times we're in the stands and we're like, man, I wish I could have heard that game. Well, if Texas 1A fan was there, you can hear it. Just go back, show reels, and that game is there.
2: That is correct. Go listen to them all you want. They're not going anywhere, and you can keep going back to them. You can send a friend a link if you want to. Share them out. Um, You'd be surprised at how many people go back and listen to those, uh, especially players. Players like to hear them as well.
0: They do. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. It's been a great week seven. Bobby, we'll see you next Sunday. Until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember,
2: go forward and do good.